going to do anything. So it's my prayer this morning as we uh, enter into your word that you will help your servant to do the things that's pleasing and honoring in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said. Amen. Well, we are in Ephesians. We'll be Ephesians, the fifth chapter. We uh, finished up the fourth chapter. And um, I was grappling as to where to go. And the Lord laid on my heart, go to five. I said, okay. <laughs> and um, there's some things that we need to see in, in chapter five um, that should really uh, challenge our hearts. Okay, then let's go on with this then. Ephesians 5 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. This word, be just like, act like God. You want to act like somebody? Um, we have the, this uh, old, this thing keep coming up on uh, Elvis Presley and folks uh, dressed in like and everything else. And uh, they have the Elvis Presley imitators and everything else. And say, okay. All of that's going to end at the grave. Now, let me show you something to really imitate. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And therefore means we just come out of the other meeting and we were talking so much about the whole idea of what it takes to walk in, with maturity and, um, and how being mature, God can really you know, work in and through our lives. Okay, then let's go to the next slide. The greatest self-improvement method is clearly documented in the word of God. If we practice everything that has been written, number one, maturity, we'll become skilled at hearing, filtering everything through the word of God. Okay, and I, I say this uh, uh, just as an emphatic fact that when we filter things through the word of God, we think on the other side of God's word, not before God's word. Okay. Uh, I think that's so important in, in, uh, in the course of our, so then once you hear the facts, then we ask, what do you think in lieu of what you know? You think on the facts that's given. Okay. Uh, let me help you a little bit here. Um, you know, the, the doctor's getting ready to do an operation on your brain and he says um, this is a very del delicate situation and I, I think uh, I have everything I need to work on your brain and now now you oh no you didn't say I, I, you think you know you better know you better be give me some solid things here are the things that's going to happen here the, now now that I laid that now what do you think about that you see what I'm saying that's where your emotion kicks in and so so maturity does that knowledgeable, uh, comprehending life from God's perspective. Everything we do, the, uh, we ought to do it from God's perspective. Don't let the me get in the way, okay? There's a few others on this whole idea. Understanding, learning to keep the big picture in mind. Whenever a person says or door or do something, um, don't wipe the person off. 
because you don't know where they are. You don't know their background. You know what they're going through. You should shut the door for them to be able to turn back around and say, I'm sorry. So understanding, learning to keep the big picture in mind. Uh, David, when they, and I think it was Shemai, I think it was, was throwing dust and everything else at him and cursing and everything. And um, and David said, said the man said, let, let me take the head off the dog. No, no, no. Maybe God is trying to say something through me. David was on the run, but he kept a, a steady mind. Whenever you, do, whenever you do not do that, what I'm saying to God, you'll get off track and get stuck in a rut. Application. Applying all the Lord has provided for us to live a victorious and God-honoring life and make a spiritual investment in the lives of others. That's, I believe, why God left us here to make us uh, to invest in other people's lives. Okay. Uh, go to the next slide. Thinking it through. If we avoid unrealistic expectations and place our total trust in him, we will never be disappointed. We will never have any regrets. You keep hearing me saying that over and over again. We will never stumble. We will never have worries, regardless of the character builders in our lives. We, with the E in there, will never have to apologize for our words and actions. We will never have to do that. I, I think that that's, that's so important, um, that all of these things happen. Uh, things happen in life, and the Lord says, don't get bit out of shape. Shh, shh, shh. Calm your spirit. I got this. Matter of fact, with Job, it says, calm your spirit because you know what? I caused this. Oh, but Job didn't know it. He says, yea, do he slay me? Yeah, what I trust him. Can God use a person like that? Yes. And God wants to use everyone here. There's none of you have disqualified yourself, not unless your priority is unbelief and distrust in God. You'll never have peace. Never. Never. Okay. Um, here's a brief snapshot of the city of Ephesus. It possessed the temple of uh, Artemis and many other worship, uh, worshiped gods. It was immoral a city. Uh, it was on God's agenda for to show mercy. Notice I didn't say judgment. To show mercy. Paul and then Apollos, a native of uh, Alexandria, ministered in this city and many were saved and churches were founded. It possessed both Jews and Gentiles who became followers of Christ. You see, whenever there's a, a change, there's a dynamic of change. If you just have a change of one group of Jews, then that, that's one thing. But when you have Jews and Gentiles and cultures and everything else, now you have a change that requires love and patience and understanding and, and mixed into that People messing up on you big time, yeah. and so so Ephesians says, "Hey, we're going to deal with we're going to deal with family here. You're on the other side of Calvary. You're the, the children of God. Says so we're going to work with it from the perspective of now that you're saved. Let's really put this thing together, okay? Um, let's go on. Consider this: Ephesians four thirty one emphasizes the need for unity." 
and being tenderhearted and forgiving, um, imitating the character of God. That's what that's when he said. Therefore, we said we said therefore it ended on that on that on that uh, point. Ephesians five continues the narrative of the mature believer's responsibility. Okay, you find that Ephesians first say be, and then now you say you know, here are some of the things that need to happen in your life, which means what God does not want ignorant children. I don't like the word oh, uninformed children. I don't like folks who don't know what they should know, okay? I'm just trying to put it down as many ways possible here. There's no reason in the world that believers are ignorant. They may start off that, but there's no reason in the world that they should be. So I'll outline um, uh, for this morning is, let us look at two areas Paul addressed in his letter establishing the believer's godly pattern for living, verse 1 and 2, then eliminating or avoiding negative influence. These are two things we want to drive home this morning. Okay, so um, so let's get started with, with number one, establishing the believer's godly pattern for living. There's a way that we walk that is different from the world, and they'll notice it, they'll talk about you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Establishing the spiritual walk. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. As followers of Christ, there are two things required of us. First, our choice must be to be imitators of God. Our choices today have already determined our course of action for tomorrow. You heard me say it over and over again. You heard me say the word be. The word be means you're capable of doing it. God's going to enable you to do it. And I expect you to do it. And so whenever you see this word be, and that's why when you, um, especially you teachers, your, uh, your um, beloved students sometimes get on your last nerve, you say, be quiet. And they're saying, uh, now, let me see what you're trying to say to me now. Are you saying I should be quiet or I could be quiet or no? Be quiet, which means you're capable of being quiet. And that's why whenever you see this word be, that means you equipped to do the whole thing that God has said. So the, the be is for me. What is it? The that means that I'm responsible for, if I hear it, I'm responsible for reproductivity. So it says, here are the things. It says, the first thing it says, be imitated of God as beloved children. The world can't do it. They don't even know God. We're the only one qualified. As followers of Christ, there are two things required of us. Our choice must be uh, to imitate, imitate God. Our choice today have already determined our, our course of action for tomorrow. Be there, um be ye therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 48, Luke 6, 36. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. You want to imitate God? Here you, you find it right here. Be perfect, be mature uh, as your father in heaven is mature. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. And all through scripture you find God showing mercy to those who do not even deserve mercy. And you find even in the, um, uh, the tribulation period, God's going to show mercy. How do I know he's going to show mercy? 
he going to send 144,000 Jews out to uh, to witness. And then he's going to send uh, uh, two prophets out to witness. Oh, this is, isn't this an act of mercy? God's act of mercy. Says, and there are folks, whenever somebody uh, offend you or hurt you, um, they require for you to be merciful. Our status, beloved children, this is an affectionate description and application. Now, last time in, in Hebrews, we talked about uh, children. Uh, it talked about the activities of children. But here, it talks about a relational thing. And he says, it says, beloved children. Remember, acknowledgement, affection, approval, attention. Here's the, that, uh, that tender, he says, beloved children. This is an affectionate description and application. And so he approached him with this, and he goes on further. Establishing a disciplined and consistent life walk. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We are given a pattern and a plan. The what? Walk in love. The who? As Christ loved us. John 13, 34 says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. Let me go back. Love one another. Capital J-U-S-T. Just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So this is not a choice. And please don't say, I can't do it. Remember, we're going through these exercises. Wow. I can't touch the ceiling. Everybody agree with that? I'm too short for that. I get two ladders. I still got to get this stuff. I can't touch it. Okay. But when I say I can't forgive you, that's volitional. That's a choice. And so when the Lord says love, in order for you to love, you have to initiate it. And God tells us to love and empowers us to love whatever it is that he puts in our lives. Amen. By this, here's the reason why. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love, if you, if you have love for one another. The how. He gave himself up for us. Just as I have loved you, you also ought to love one another. So each time you see me coming up with the what, the who, the how. And so here's how you do it. You do exactly as Jesus Christ has done, and you're done your job. Life is filled with people who can get on your last nerve, whether you're driving or uh, just, it, well, they're, they're all over the place, okay? Um, there's only one place that you can go that you have to worry about any of this, and you'll be rejoicing. That's in glory with Jesus Christ. Other than that, <laughs> uh, like wintertime, keep your coat on. You'll be surprised. Uh, it happens on an ordinary day. Uh, until we establish a willing and disciplined spirit, favorable results will not become a reality. The remark re, uh, requirements that the Lord has given us are based on our decisions to become disciplined. Consider the pattern of discipline. It must have an established objective. And are you disciplined? Or finish the phrase. I, I know that I'm disciplined because, are any of these on the list here? 
Let me go over it again. You must have an established objective. What is your objective? You must be learned. This is an acquired skill. It must, you must, in other words, you must have the know-how. And this discipline, discipline is not automatic, automatic. You know, I'm going to become disciplined today. No, you have to learn how to be disciplined. Oh, you mothers know about your children as a babe, and then you're trying to get them to go to the washroom, and uh, how many times they missed the mark, and you had to show mercy, okay? Um, and then you had to put a diaper on them. Uh, all that, you know, and all that's forgetting those things which are behind, you know. But guess what? It's a learning experience. You don't automatically become disciplined but it starts with starting today. I will, by, the, by God's grace, do this. Discipline. And guess what? Once you, once you set that, all of a sudden, like a Superman coming out of the sky, habit will set in. And habit says, I'll help you every day. What time? What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? What fool are you going to stay away from? When you know you discipline yourself when you're with your mouth, okay? Don't say it. I know it's boring. You want to die. Keep your mouth shut. No. Uh, so this whole idea of discipline is important. So um, it's a learning experience. It, de it uh, demands a commitment. You're not disciplined today and off base tomorrow. But as you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, this will happen. It has to be activated and applied. It has to be maintained. You have to do it, and then you have to have a good maintenance system to keep it looking good. When I was uh, when I was saying that to you immediately, what came to my mind was uh, um, Doug Johnson, Elder Doug Johnson, as you were talking about his car, you know, and um, and if I mention the word maintenance, hey, you'll say amen, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, certain amount, a certain level of shine, amen. No. Has to be clean, amen. See, why is that? Because you're his. Why should I discipline myself? Why should I look good? Why should I imitate God? Because the better we look, the more people are able to see you and make him look good. Why do you think Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father was in hell. Amen? Well, I, I, I think you got the idea there. And then um, we talk about the whole idea of thinking it through. Loving and disciplining a servants of God are placed in an environment that will establish favorable results. I put in here Ezra, for Ezra had set his heart to study the word of the Lord, to do it, and to teach it. You see the three levels? His, his statues and rules in Israel. He became so skilled at what he did that um, you, you see in Ezra 7 and 11. This is a copy of the letter that the king Artaxerxes gave to Ezra, the, the priest, the scribe. A man learned in matters of the commandments of the Lord and his statutes for Israel. Oh, he was known. You're known by growth. You know, 
not by the diplomas that the schools told you. You look, they said you smart. No, no, you better. <laughs> you want a diploma from God that says you're wise. And when a wise man built his house, the storms may come, the wind may blow, the flood may come. But guess what? When it all passes, you're still standing. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. So, for it to be imitators of God really need to think through this whole dynamics. Number two, eliminating our avoiding negative influence. Now, if the more you imitate God, the greater the negative influence will begin to flow, flow in your life and even the ones, the stuff that's in your life will start coming to the top and the Lord says, get rid of it. So he began to list some things. And all these are classes within itself. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. In other words, keep it clean. Establish the core value that sets God's godly boundaries. When you say sexual immorality, uh, couples came in, come in and I asked them, um, why, what do you think the Lord had in mind when he uh, confirmed this whole idea of sex? And of course, those who plan on getting married, the smile come on the face and yeah, okay, let's go over a couple of things. Number one, procreation. The results of your coming together and your love for one another, procreation. The next thing is bonding. You will bond with one another as a result of this. See, and when you when these uh, things begin to happen in the marriage, uh, there's good communication. Sexual immorality is just the opposite of everything I mentioned here, and I'm not about to waste God's time going over all of the the uh, the items and areas that it, it affects. They, it, it affects you chemically, endorphins and, and what have you. It affects you chemically. Um, it affects you, uh, affect you um, physically. As couples, you know, uh, have you been engaged in sex before marriage? And I, I preface it with this. Whenever I ask you a question, you have the right to ask me why. And they do ask why. And I had to lay it to them, and I, and I had to, I wrote out to them 12 steps to marital bonding. And I said, when you all got sexually involved, you jumped over all these steps, and it's going to come up in your marriage, and you have problems in your marriage because they have not been fully developed. You know why it has not been fully developed? Because you didn't obey God. Because God told you not to. And God has a, a plethora of things involved in this thing. That it, it glorifies God. And, and God used that, that union between the, the husband and wife. He used that union as Christ to the church. And so it has to be very clear. Very clear. Um, well, if it's not been um, caught, I trust that it's been taught. Three things must be avoided 
at all costs. Number one, immorality is short circuits God's plan for bonding, procreation, and or oh, I left out the third P, pleasure. Guess guess what the world uses all the most all the time? Pleasure. All impurities, it feeds fleshly desires at someone else's expense. Covetousness. It is an inordinate craving for things that will never bring fulfillment or lasting satisfaction. One area of, of sexual immorality, of course, is, is with pornography, and it's, it's men and women, not just men. And my challenge is, okay, I want you to put a picture in your mind. Take your child and put their face in what you're looking at. Would you do it? That's my child. Then don't be looking at somebody else's child. Your eyes should be on the Lord. And when your eyes get off the Lord, you'll be exalted into that. Let me tell you something. Once Satan gets in there and drops that seed, he would keep trying to come back to water it. Be careful. He says, be careful because this will shut down how you uh, truly love uh, an individual, your commitment to individuals, very critical. Okay, our next slide. Control your tongue. Watch your mouth. Karen, have, Karen and I have around the house. Shut the door. Control your tongue and keep it uh, keep its purpose and always honor God. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor cruel joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. I'm not saying it. God is saying it. God is saying it. Here's the reason for these standards. Ephesians 5, 5. For you have be, may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance, no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. You see a person that's in that, that type of lifestyle, and I'm talking about practicing the lifestyle, they don't have any inheritance. They're not even part of the family. Okay? Let's go on. Always filter your conversation through God's purifying system. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Empty words. What do you consider as empty words? I, I kind of enumerated them on the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. Uh, when we talk about empty words. Empty words always end at the grave. And with it, everyone who has chosen not to believe and obey God. Deceptive speech or words. Let me give you some. I'll feel they're up there. Okay. Words that directly challenge the reality and authority of God. You have plenty of that around. You hear it a lot, don't you? Professor so-and-so. Doctor so-and-so. I don't care what your, your name is or your position. Empty words. Words that are baseless, merely assumptions. That's why I'm hard on it. And you stay hard on me. I assume, I think, I feel baseless, 
baseless without facts. When you have the facts, then you have all of those. But without the facts, you can't be thinking on a on a on an absolute. Please keep that in mind. Um, I, I'll tell them, Karen, listen to the commercials. I say every time they have these commercials, they they say this, 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 and it may, or it could, or it should. I say, I say, you hear it? They're not telling you that it will happen. They say it might happen. You know why? It keeps them from being sued. And that's why you always had a small writing at the bottom. And boy, one time I got up to the television and said, let me see what they're putting on the rug. And they won't let it stay too long. Boy, I'll be strained to see uh, what, uh, but they have some, some disclaimers. You know why? Because it's not an absolute. See? And so because it's not an absolute, then you take this medicine and it, and it should clear up your, your nasal congestion. However, the side effects are and you fall asleep as they go over the list of all the things that's going to happen to you. Going blind and half able to hear. All right, okay. Um, and so, blame this assumption. Words describe a man's existence and origin. And they're always trying to say something that that uh, come out of nothing uh, became something, and then then they don't know where they're going from there. Words that speak lies. Words that express unfounded opinions. Words dealing on baseless speculations. Words that are philosophical, but are contrary to the mind of God. Avoid that, saints. You know what happened when you start avoiding that? It cuts down your, your low for worry. Your worry is way up here. You avoid that, and all of a sudden you start saying, you know what? Uh, oh, I, I learned to do something. Cast all my cares upon him because he was. He cares for you. Are you worried? Are you been out of shape? One of the things that, that keeps you from walking and imitating God is that you, you have to keep your eyes on him. That's a must. You must stay on the trail. That's critical. Okay. Um, what are, and so we talk about the, what are the words that are philosophical but are contrary to the mind of God. We go to our, our next one then. The items on this list are embedded in our music, media exposure, and our culture's use for self-serving improvement. Deception is a dangerous tool designed to lead or keep you from believing, knowing, and discovering the truth. It, it, it worked. I think I have my notes. Go to the next slide. Let me see if I have my notes here. And that is um, this cross-reference of Satan uses decept uh, use, uh, deceptive words to achieve his uh, cynical agenda. Remember the Garden of Eden. The Lord told him, Adam, the moment that you bite of this fruit, you shall surely die. God said that. The God who built it, who has the universe and holds it against it, Adam. I'm meeting you here. We got a little meeting. You can have, I, I give you everything, all everything you see. Wonderful, good. Go ahead and eat it. But you see that tree in the middle of the garden? Uh-huh. Now, in the tree, that tree in the middle of the garden, you are not to buy take up its fruit. The moment you do, you, uh, you will surely die. 
and it, it wasn't the next day test. You know, just wait a little, just wait a little bit. You know, and he's going to all these trees, but somehow, it, you know, like children, I don't know. How did you get in the middle of the garden? I don't know. Okay, and how is it that you bit of the fruit? Well, you see, the reason I bit it because the woman you gave me gave it to me, threw her under the bus. She gave it to me, and I did it. And the Lord said, what? And so now in Ephesians, it talks about the fact that, and this is not a downplay on women, just the fact that it says, men, you know better, that the woman was deceived. Satan knew exactly what uh, they would do, uh, their response. And so here's his deceptive word. First, he stopped up the question, then he said, you're not going to die. What did the Lord just tell you? The moment you buy the fruit, you shall what? Surely. He didn't say that you will die. You will surely. See, that's kind of uh, emphasize the point. You're going to show up die. And Satan comes along and says, no, you're not. So let, let me tell you, give my burden of proof. You know what I think? I, know, I think? I I think that the reason that he's doing that, because he knows that the moment that you bite the fruit, you will be able to think and uh, you'll be like God. You'll be like him. And you know what? They bit the fruit. Jesus Christ came and reversed it. And now the Lord says, on the other side of Calvary, now you can be like me. Imitate me. Stay away from things that, that mess up your life. I can do that in and through your life. Okay? Go to the next slide. Therefore, do not become uh, partners with them. There are the, the, here are the reasons for these standards. Because of our new life in Christ. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Now that's a positional children of life. For fruit of for the fruit of life is founded in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Let's go on. Make sure you distance yourselves from this ungodly environment. Stay away from it. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when everything is exposed by light, it becomes visible. For everything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We go further. One last thing. This is Therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life have set you free in Christ. Jesus from the law of uh, Christ Jesus, from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his son, his own son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. Um, in in uh, 
our theology class and what have you, they talk about the hypostatic union. They mean perfect God, perfect man, used forever. That's what happened here. In order that the righteousness required of the law might be fulfilled in us, we not walk not according to the flesh, the old nature, but according to the spirit. Amen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has become, has come. As we journey through Ephesians, receive the instruction, encouragement, correction, and assurance that is ours in Christ. Be prepared to make radical changes in your life. Glorify God, our Father, and impact the lives of others. As we walk through Ephesians 5, we need to go through this. When you have the instructions and you know what to do, when the challenges come, you stay your ground. And that's my desire for each one of you. As you imitate God. Be good imitators. You see folks imitating everybody else. Imitate God. Amen. I think that's very critical. Let's pray. Father God, how we uh, thank you for your word and what it has to say to us as we look at Ephesus, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. As we look at the words there for our instruction, the things that we need to do concerning you and then how we can avoid the contamination of the world. You said in the last day it would be a great falling away. But you knew this. But you've given us instructions so that we will stay under your wings and in your love. Lead and guide us, Lord. Thank you for your great love. And I pray, Lord, that if there's one who do not know you, who are not, who are still on that other side of Calvary, that is death that they can cross on the other side through Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is God who came into the flesh, died, and rose again on our behalf that we may be free, cleaned up. I pray, Lord, that they make that decision. Once they make that decision, then it's a man of growth. And then for us who are on the other side, uh, yes, you, we are children of God forever. But God has expectations on this side. Help us, Lord, to be doers of the word and not just hearers only, deceiving ourselves. We thank you in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, amen.